Hello, everyone, and welcome in here to Fighting Ever Fighting, a GoPowerCat.com podcast. I'm Cole Carmody, and today we get a chance to talk with none other than Cade Warner. Don't forget to hit subscribe on the YouTube channel if you're watching it there. Drop a like, leave a comment. Subscribe on the website at GoPowerCat.com and subscribe wherever you get all of your podcasts. Now, here's our conversation with Cade Warner. Hello, everyone, and welcome in here to Fighting Ever Fighting. I'm Cole Carmody. The third episode of Fighting Ever Fighting at GoPowerCat.com podcast. Before we get going, make sure you're hitting subscribe on the YouTube channel, subscribing to the website, subscribing everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, this guest today, a very special one, all the way from uh, Omaha, Nebraska right now, <laughs> newly engaged, Cade Warner. First of all, congratulations, and uh, thanks for taking the time to hop it on today. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, let's start with that. Congratulations on your engagement. I know if, if you don't follow <laughs> along with Cade on Instagram, um, you posted that earlier this week. Um, congratulations to that. Another new chapter of your life. That's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, um, it was really cool. You know, I was actually, my girlfriend was with me the last two months while I was training and getting ready for pro day. And and so trying to plan all this and the whole thing um, behind her back was, was tough. But um, we got to the weekend and her whole family made it out and it was a great time. Well, I know that all of K-State Nation, I'm sure that made them smile when they when they saw <laughs> when they saw that on Instagram. And it, the last two guests I've had on were Skylar Thompson, obviously someone who was at K-State for a long time. Echo Boydo, another kid who was at K-State for a long time. And you don't have that same story. And mm. so before we kind of get into your K-State side of things, I want to go back to um, your high school days and, and we'll dig dig a little bit deeper into kind of your personal background. But I, as I was preparing for this interview, doing some research, you were basically unrecruited at a high school from uh, from a scholarship standpoint. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that like, especially with the family that you have? And then I guess kind of take me through those times and, and trying to earn that dream of, of playing and earning a Division One scholarship. Yeah, so obviously my dream since I've been real young is to play professional football, you know, but you got to take steps to get there. And one of those steps to me was on my list was getting a, um, you know, a college scholarship to play football. And so I go in high school and I'm playing and I'm doing well and I'm doing everything that people tell me I have to do. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having success in the field. My team's winning games. I'm doing all these things that are checking these boxes to get that goal. And I just never got it. Um, don't know why. I'm probably people said I was too small, too slow, whatever it may be. But I never got a, a Division One scholarship to play football. And and so at the end of my career, I'm sitting there with all these accolades that to me really don't mean anything. You know, at the end of the day, they didn't get me where I needed to go or wanted to go. And so I sat back and just kind of figured and just kind of thought and, and had to figure out what I wanted to do and with this dream of mine. And so I was able to reach out to a few schools and get some uh, walk-on opportunities, um, which to, for people to know, basically, if you reach out to a school and you play high school football, you can probably get a walk-on opportunity. So just reaching out to all these different schools. Um, I was going to go to ASU, really enjoyed it. Um, and it was 15 minutes away from my house. And then I actually had a coach that was a GA in Nebraska. That was my coach, my sophomore year of high school that said, Hey, you know, I can get you a walk on opportunity to come down here and, and look at it and, uh, and try it out. And so, um, I went down there and chose Nebraska and, and yeah, it was tough not having any scholarship opportunities and having to take that wolf pack and walk on mentality. 
Well, I think you kind of you hit on that, but the underdog mentality, uh, it kind of runs in the family, uh, to say the <laughs> least. Uh, before we start with you and kind of dig into your background, I, this is maybe just a personal question for myself, but what was it like to see your parents' uh, story on a big screen in a, in a movie theater? And that had to have been kind of a, a surreal feeling. Yeah, it was crazy. For those of y'all who haven't seen it, there's a parent. There's a movie out about my parents' um, life called American Underdog. Go check it out. Um, it's a pretty good movie, unbiasedly. But yeah, it was it was weird, you know, because I've heard that story probably too many times growing up. You know, the story of my dad, the story of my mom, and and how hard they had to work, and then seeing it on on TV kind of just put a whole new light on it. You know, obviously I knew the plot line and I knew the climax of the movie, but all those little details and and being able to see you know, people I haven't seen before. And and so like, um, actually, when I got engaged um, this last weekend, the actor that played my mom's dad, who I never met, um, who actually uh, passed away in that tornado accident, hit me up and said, Hey, man, congrats, you know, thinking about you. And so we hear little things like that, where I got to see this story in a new light and a new, um, new way to look at it with all these different stories of how he got to where he was. And kind of that line that hits me from that movie that obviously my dad never said, um, he's not that poetic, but just that, why would God give me a dream that I couldn't achieve, you know, and I couldn't reach. And so I think that's a line that still stands with me from the movie. Um, and probably the only thing I, that I really, really truly take away from that movie. Uh, and, and you mentioned with your story specifically trying to get all these scholarships out of high school and, and, and eventually, going to Nebraska, coming to K-State. But when you're in high school, I mean, does it ever really – did you ever really feel like that, oh, wow, like my dad was – he was pretty good at football. And, like, a lot of people know who he is. Like, we hear all the time about these kids that grow up with um, dads and, and mothers who are professional athletes. And so many times, you know, the, the child chooses to do some complete, something completely different. Mm -hmm. uh, you said all along it was your dream to play professional football. Was that something that you saw your dad do and said, okay, this is what I want to do and that's why? Or was it just kind of something that you always had in you? Yeah, I think um, early on it was, you know, I saw my dad do it and I was like, well, I want to do that too. I want to do what I can and make him proud and, and keep that family name going. And I remember a moment when I was really young and my dad was off at an away game or something, so he wasn't there. My mom was getting me ready for my Pop Warner game. And I was put on my girdle and I was like, mom, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to to wake up at 6 a.m. to go all the way across Arizona and lose to some team that's way better than us by 40 points and play whatever I was playing at center and defensive end at the time. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. And my mom hit me with, you don't have to, no one's making you do this. You don't have to do it anymore. And, and I think that was the moment where I was kind of like, okay, this is my choice. And, and so I obviously went that day and then I kept on going and, and then I eventually got in love with, I fell in love with it as I got older and older, but early on, yeah, I don't think it was really my choice to play, even when I was really at a young age. I didn't feel like I was forced, but also just with the parents I had, I had to do something. And and so early on, I didn't have the love for it. But as I grew older and older, and even as my dad coached me in high school, my love for the game just flourished. Did you ever play any other sports or was it strictly just football? Yeah, there was always a rule. You had to play two sports um, growing up for me and my brother. And so I played basketball for a long time growing up always hated it. My dad loved it. So he made me play another sport. And that was just the easiest one to pick up that everybody else played. And so I played basketball, hated it. Um, never got any good. I was my team starting center at just under six two my my junior year of high school. And I wasn't the tallest kid by any means. But that's just the position I played and never wanted to do anything else. And 
So I was my team starting center, and then I quit basketball junior year, ended up doing a little bit of track and actually some lacrosse as I got older and older. So a little bit of everything. And you touched on your brother, but he's a quarterback, obviously, for those mm-hmm. that don't know, at, at Temple. And yeah. um, your family and, and your dad specifically, I, I can remember a Twitter posted sitting in Buffalo Wild Wings watching your brother play before your game. Um, mm-hmm. Just how come, I guess, you didn't want to play quarterback? And, and how come he decided to play quarterback? Yeah, um, at an early age, I don't think my, my dad kind of made me play football, but he never forced me to play quarterback. And so um, at an early age, they'd always make me go, you know, hey, Warner, come throw a few balls. And I'd throw some, and then they'd say, all right, get back to whatever position you were playing because I was not any good. So I think that was the beginning of it. I just wanted to play something else. I didn't really want to play quarterback. And then when my brother got older, he started out as a quarterback and just kept on becoming a quarterback and a quarterback. And my dad never really forced him, never really – coached him until he got a little older and it was kind of his decision to play and so as my older as my younger brother got less and less athletic he had to kind of stay at quarterback um couldn't really change as he got slower and slower and so he stayed at quarterback and he's doing a great job now at temple and and i'm happy for him there you go i'm sure that um he'll appreciate that comment uh he'll see it sometime (laughs) i'll see he'll send it to me on text sometime this week of course yeah so (laughs) getting back to high school you, as you mentioned, great success in high school. You go to Nebraska. Take me through that time because at K-State, they obviously have a long history of successful walk-ons. But I think a lot of the times K-State fans don't realize, that, hey, walk-ons can be successful other places too. What was that process like when you get up to Lincoln, you get involved with, with Coach Frost and everything, and, and now you're contributing on the field after a few years? Yeah, so I walked on uh, actually with Coach Riley's staff. Mike Riley was the coach at the time, so I'm that old. I preceded the <laughs> the head coach. But um, so, yeah, I was with Mike Riley um, there for one season, and then he got fired. And so for a walk-on, you know, that, that could be one of two things. You either have a staff come in and you're like, hey, you know, we don't really mess with walk-ons. We're going to play our scholarship guys. And so you either have that mindset or the mindset of, hey, it's a clean slate. They don't know who I am, what I came here to do, who like who I – what I got out of high school – and so that was kind of at first it was, you know, it was first it was that first one where at first I came in and the coach Frost came in and I was bottom of the depth chart, A, because I hadn't done anything yet. I was a red shirt, you know, and so but then B also I just there was a lot of older guys with a lot of talented receivers at the time. And so I was bottom of the depth chart. And so but that's what usually what a walk on life is. You know, you get put there at the beginning, you have to work your way up. And so that first spring, you know, I was bottom of the depth chart, had a good spring game, moved up a little bit. That summer had a great summer, I felt like, and really push myself to do something in the fall. And at the beginning of that season, our wide receiver coach came to me. He's like, Hey, you're going to play a little bit of scout team. You know, you're going to be on both sides a little bit. You might travel some games. And I was like, all right, all right, cool. You know, like, I'm just happy to be here. Happy to be a part of this team. And then actually four games into that season, I started the rest of that season. And, and that's where I kind of started my career. And so it was definitely weird walking on in the first place, but I think that to be a walk on and to survive as a walk on, you have to have a, a different type of mentality. You know, nothing's going to be handed to you. You're not going to give anything. You have to work for it. And so we always call that the Wolfpack mentality. I brought it to K State a little bit. Some guys throw it up here and there, but um, yeah, it's just a different mindset when you're a walk on. And you got a chance to play alongside Adrian Martinez as well, and and obviously mm-hmm. continued that. Um, what made Adrian's time at Nebraska? You saw a lot of highs. There was also some lows there. When Adrian was playing at his full capabilities at Nebraska, what made him so special? Yeah, I think that he's um, just one of those guys you say he's the ultimate competitor. You know, he wants to win uh, no matter what it is, unless he's playing me in spike ball, he has to win the game. And so he goes out there and he's going to give everything he has, you know, whether he has an 
an injury or not, whether we're down by 40 or up by 40, we're, he's going to go out there and try to win that ball game. I think you saw that when he came to K-State, and I was so happy he did because we let that part of him shine. You know, It wasn't like we had to lean on him and just say, hey, you got to go out there and play like a Heisman to win this game. And it was much easier at K-State for him to just go out there and just compete, just be the player he is and the quarterback he is and help us win football games. And, and again, you guys had a lot of success at times at Nebraska, and it felt like every single year Nebraska was that team that was picked to, okay, this is going to be the year that they find a way to get over the hump. I mean, now that you've had some time to sit back and reflect on things, I mean, what do you think? Why don't you think you ever got over that hump? Yeah, I think um, just the biggest part of Nebraska was, for me, it was the culture. And that's tough to say, too, because the culture is so many different pieces. You know, you have the players and you have the coaches and you even have part of the fans and the whole organization all comes together to form this culture. And I think in Nebraska, it was just really hard to overcome bad moments at times. Like I felt like at Nebraska, when something would go wrong, you know, we fumbled or threw a pick or let them score, whatever it was. It just felt like this dark cloud came over the stadium. and You're like, oh, here it is. You know, here's the same old Cornhuskers. And so. One of my favorite moments actually in my career was the first game we played at K-State and we played Stanford at um, AT&T Stadium and we start off the game, whatever, whatever, and we threw a pick. It was to fill on an inside fade to the left of us and we threw a pick and to see the resolve and just defense run out there and we're into it and nobody batted an eye was honestly one of my favorite moments of my career and I didn't even play much that game. I didn't do anything. We won the game, but I didn't do much to help and that moment was one of my favorite moments just to see the change in culture from there to what it was at K-State. And because we had players that bought in and we had leaders that, that did everything they could. It was just as a, as a, as a unit, as a, as an organization, we just couldn't figure out that culture that we had like here at K-State. And so talking to now kind of transitioning to your time at K-State, uh, you're the first person that I've had a chance to talk with about the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, I guess, did you know anything about the transfer portal? I mean, this, it was still fairly new um, before you decided to come to K-State when you entered the transfer portal. When you throw the COVID year into that, what what's going through your mind when you decide that you do want to enter the portal and, and see what other options you have for you? Yeah, I think at the first glance, you're thinking the transfer portal and you're thinking it's some big, scary thing. And and when I was in there, it was kind of the same time everyone was saying that there's the new record high of people in the transfer portal and a new amount of people are in there. Thousands of people are in there and coaches are all trying to scare people saying, hey, there's this many players in here. There's not that many homes. Don't go. And, you know, trying to scare people away from it. And so you hear all these these pessimistic things about the portal. Um, but to me, it was I think the portal is a bad thing if you are trying to chase a better opportunity. You know, you're trying to just keep going and trying to get better and better. Whereas to me, it was just finding a good opportunity for me. And it was leaving something behind that I knew wouldn't get me to the goals that I had for myself. And so I wouldn't ever go chasing in there. I wouldn't recommend it for anybody that has a productive career or has something already going for them just to try to chase something. But I would recommend it for somebody that was like me, that didn't have the career they wanted to. They saw you know, something fizzle out and they saw that the current trajectory they were on wasn't going to get them to where they need to go. And so um, I had a couple buddies of mine also that were kind of in the, like, you know, borderline going to go in the portal, didn't quite know what to do. and came and reached out to me. And that's the only thing I asked them was, Hey, what do you want to get to? And can you get there? 
and their answers were no. And they hopped in the portal with me and they all went to places and did really well for themselves and the team. And, and so it was a weird experience, um, scary experience for me also, because I'm a walk on. So I didn't get highly recruited out of high school. No one really knew who I was. I didn't have a great career in Nebraska. And so just kind of in there talking to teams, trying to see what I can do and put myself out there. And it was, it was a weird mix. And then K-State kind of middle of the pack kind of came out and was like, Hey, we'd love you to have there. And I had some connection with the coaches and it actually was only two hours away from my now fiance um, and her family. And so, and my buddies in Nebraska. And so it all kind of just kind of made sense. Um, and once I got here or there on campus and got to see what it was like and see the facilities, uh, it just felt right. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Did you know that your dad had had a previous relationship with Chris Kleiman? Was that kind of something that you knew before you entered the portal and and for those of the folks that maybe didn't know that your dad had a relationship or knew about Chris Kleiman before um what, did you know that and then the, the story if you'd like to share that yeah no I actually didn't and so um I actually like got the offer to Kansas State and was talking to them for a while and, and went on film with them and watched them I think I even might have went to K-State excuse me, with my buddy of mine, Noah Johnson, I guess for all you guys that know, but Noah Johnson, who brought me there to K-State, I think all that happened. And then I was like, all right, you know, I think that was the place I wanted to go. And then I, my dad was like, oh, by the way, you know, I'm roommates with Mess and I was teammates with Kleiman. And I was like, oh, would have been nice to know that maybe a little earlier or, you know, talk to him a little earlier. So I didn't know what I was going to do in the portal. But um, yeah, kind of later on, I knew they had a relationship together. And then when I got there at K-State, me and, and Kleiman and Mess did um, talk about it, you know, time and time again. There's a an FCS bond between and Missouri Valley bond. I mean, you hear t- Coach Kleiman talk about it all the time yeah. in those you know the beginning parts of the season against Southern Illinois and 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 even South Dakota. Just the respect that that staff has for the FCS is is pretty astonishing, and I'm sure your dad can attest to that um, mm-hmm. as well. You get to K State, and Skylar Thompson is the quarterback after coming off of an injury. Did you had know about Skyler? Uh, obviously, that was your final season at Nebraska was when he was hurt. And so then he came back um, the following year. But did you know anything about Skyler? And then when you got to campus, what were your initial impressions of uh, of number seven? Yeah. And so, no, I didn't know. I'm not a college football fan. So for anyone out there that's wondering, I, when I get home from my games on Saturday, I go straight to bed or I hang out with my buddies. I don't watch college football. I'd rather watch NFL football on Sunday. And so I don't know any college football players. Even when I was training for the draft this last spring, I had to go ask people who they were, what teams they play. I don't know anybody. And so, no, I did not know Skyler. When I was in the portal and kind of talking to K-State and trying to figure it out, he reached out to me and said, like, hey, you know, love for you to have you here. I think I went on film with him once or twice. And then when I got to K-State, when that visit with Noah Johnson, I met with him and talked to him for a while. And, and yeah, he's just a good dude, you know, in, in all sense of the word. He's just a good dude. Uh, he was a great leader when I was with him. And obviously when I got there at K-State and I arrived on campus, I got to see the respect people have for him and the respect that he commanded in that locker room. And that, he, you know, he was there for seven or eight years. And so he got to know everybody there. And everybody really uh, came around him and Noah Johnson, and, and they were great leaders for that team. 
What were your impressions of that season? Because I think a lot of folks saw you, saw your production at least towards the end of the year started, started to tick up and in the beginning part of the year, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe you had to catch the first few games of the season. Was yeah. it kind of hard to, to know you're at this new place and you're, you're still trying to figure out how you fit in? Yeah, I think, I think, I think the hardest part for me in my college career was, was, um, never really matching your expectations, you know, cause it's, it's easy for ourselves to make expectations for ourselves and, and they can be lofty or not, but when you don't hit those, that's, what's tough. And so like at, at Nebraska, you know, I had expectations to play early and I hit them. I'm like, okay. Now my, now it's going to be this. And I didn't hit it, got hurt. Didn't ever want to transfer, had to came to K state, had the summer here um, and early fall camp. And I was like, yeah, I, I can really help this team. I got excited started making expectations for myself of what I'm going to do this year, how I'm going to help this team. And then the season kind of rolls in and you don't hit them and you continue not hit them. And so it's frustrating. You know, it's, it's a lot of adverse situations you have to overcome when those expectations aren't being met. Cause you have to kind of have a, a faith in the work you put in and the faith in kind of God's plan ahead of you, you know? And so beginning of the season, yeah, I didn't really know at middle of the season, end of the season, I didn't know what I was going to do. I even talked to the coaches about like, not, like transfer from Kansas State again, or, or maybe trying to go to the league that way, or just trying to figure out what I was doing. Cause I was just, just flat out not having fun at the end of that first year at Kansas State, you know, and it was a mix of a bunch of different things. And so I actually told Coach Kleiman, I was like, I need a minute. Just let me think. I got to figure out what the best thing to do is. And so I went home and talked to loved ones and prayed and everything. And, and they, and it all kind of pointed back to K State. And so I came back for another year and I'm so happy I did with not only the season. Um, I have what our team had and our success and the culture for this team. And so I'm, I'm one of the best decisions I've made is to come back to K-State my last year. And I want to talk about that season now that you bring that up, because I, I remember talking to you throughout the season. The biggest takeaway and one of the best quotes I think I heard um, and that that stuck with me. It, it was either after the I think it might have been after the two lane loss. Um, I think you said the season is not defined by one loss and you cannot base your happiness off of going to the big 12 championship or winning the big 12 championship. Mm -hmm. It's about the process. Mm -hmm. Was that an attitude that every single person had in that locker room throughout the 2022 season? I like to think so, you know, as a captain of that team and, and a leader of that team, I'd like to think that we instilled that mindset, every single person. But I think that, a lot of the core people on our team had that mindset where I preached all along because early actually in the summer before that season, you know, we'd break it down on big 12 championship. And that was our goal. We kept looking at it. And we're like, that's what we got to get to. And just for me personally, in the teams I've had and the teams I've been on and kind of my journey to me, I think that you can trip over a lot of things when you look at the other side, you know, I saw his metaphor. It was like trying to cross the river and there's all these little stones you can step on. If you stare at the other side of the river, you're eventually going to fall in before you get there. You know, and so for me, I kind of stood up at one time and kind of talked to the leaders before. And I was like, guys, can we stop doing that? Like, can we stop looking and only having that Big 12 championship be in our mind? Because then what? If we win 11 games and lose that game, is our season a failure? If we win our bowl game and have so much success, but then don't win that game, it was all this for not. And so I kind of brought that up early on with the leaders and just kind of said, Hey, let's focus on one day at a time, one week at a time, figure this out. And obviously uh, a lot of our core values of our team aligned with what I was saying. And so it wasn't like I was pulling anything out of uh, left field, but it was just right there in front of us. And so um, I never wanted us to get too far ahead of ourselves. Even when we were winning and we were on that win streak of, of beating teams badly. It was like, Hey, 
you know, don't think about what we've done. Think about what we have this week. And, and so I like to think that was instilled in every single person. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, a lot of guys had that mindset. When Adrian has his breakout game against Oklahoma, and mm-hmm. I mean, let's call, it, let's call it what it is, one of the biggest wins of the season. I think yeah. anybody you talk to can say that that Oklahoma game changed the tide of the season. After he has that breakout game, and you guys are kind of rolling now, you get to the TCU game, and he gets injured, really at the Iowa State game when he gets injured. Um, as his, one of his closer friends, what's going through your mind when you see Adrian walk off the field against TCU and know that, oh, crap, he's not playing the rest of the game? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me in those situations is, like, even when I'm on the football field with a helmet on, my first thing is I think of it as a friend or a brother. You know, when, when Adrian goes down and – when anybody goes down that you're really close with, the first thing you think of is just, man, I hope they're okay. I'm praying they're okay. I'm praying this injury isn't going to be debilitizing for a long time, you know? And, and so when Adrian went down, was it the end of Iowa state or the first game, first week of TCU, huh? Yeah. It, well, it would have been, he played the first series against TCU. Or yeah. The first series was TCU. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it was bugging him a little bit. And so when he went down then, um, yeah, it was my first thought was went over to him and asked, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Because, I mean, to me, it's it's yes, the team, we, we won't blink and the next person will come up and succeed like we saw will do all season long. And it does. And it's the same for every position. But as a friend, you go up to me like, hey, man, you OK? Can I, is there anything I can do? Because you're just worried about him. And, and it's the same with any player, because when you're a fan and you see Adrian get hurt, you know, you, your first thought would be like, oh, man, that's our starter. Or, oh, man, Will's got to come in or man, we got to win this game. But when you're a player and, and a and a buddy of yours, a teammate, a brother of yours gets hurt, I mean, you just think about all the work they put in to get to this moment, to show out, to to succeed the way they want to succeed. And now an injury, which are the worst, comes out, and you're and you just you feel sick to your stomach almost sometimes because you just feel so bad for them and all the work they put in. And it's not to say it's, it hasn't come to fruition, but they don't get to see it come to fruition. You don't get to meet those expectations, like I said, just because of this injury that just lingered and lingered for Adrian. With all that being said, were you surprised at Will's success? Because I think a lot of people uh, around the program knew that Will was going to be a successful quarterback at K-State. But when he comes into that TCU game, puts up those numbers in the first half, rolls it over into the Oklahoma State game, and obviously wins Big 12 Player of the Week, and you guys absolutely demolish Oklahoma State. And he starts rolling throughout the rest of the season, obviously carrying that into the Big 12 Championship game. Um, which you guys are then crown champions. Did were, were, did you ever have to take a step back and be like, wow, this is a kid who literally came in the middle of part of the season and we did not miss a beat? Um, no, I, I don't think I was surprised by how he played um, just because we like we see it every day in spring ball when you guys aren't there in summer and even in fall camp. We see the player they are regardless of what they did in the past or who they were last season. You know, we know who each other are. And so for me – what I was, I guess, caught me off guard a little bit was his presence in the huddle that I didn't think he had the year before and just of commanding and stepping right in and being that guy. You know, I think last year when Skyler went down and Will came in, he was thrown in different situations. They weren't as, they weren't as fruitful for him. And, and we didn't give him that leash and that, that confidence that we gave him this year. And so when he stepped into TCU, it was like, all right, let's go. And he threw me a go ball out of nowhere. And I was like, all right, let's ride. You know, I'm, I'm here with you. Let's keep doing it. And so, I think for that first drive he was in at TCU, everyone everyone knew, all right, we're locked in. We're ready to go. And then, obviously, getting to the Big 12 championship game, 
I asked Ecuador the same question, but did that game feel any different than any of the other games you had played? Did you were you nervous? What what was kind of the feeling going into that rematch with with TCU and Arlington? Yeah, I think for us, I don't think I was nervous per se. I think there were some guys on the team that felt a heightened sense of of motivation to win this game. But for me, it was if you look back at our season and who we were, and even the first time we played them. You know, we know who we are, and they know, too. At that point, I think they were still undefeated, right? They were undefeated the entire season, right? And so they were undefeated then, but we knew who they were, you know, and we knew what, what happened the first time we played, and we let them off the hook, plain and simple. And so we went into the Big 12 championship game. Obviously, you you progress and you change as, season, as the season goes on, but I would say that it was almost it was almost calming to have played them before and now get to play them again because it wasn't like we didn't know who we are going to – it wasn't like we are walking into an unknown territory. We knew exactly – who's going to line up on the, on the other side of the ball from us. And so for me, I don't know if I was more nervous. I think that maybe I was more locked in when the, when the snap, when the, you know, the clock started and we actually, the ball got snapped and everything. It was a little bit more sense of motivation, but I think before the game in our pregame speeches in our motivational speeches the night before it was the same as any other weekend. And I just got a few more for you as we wrap up uh, the podcast here. We go into that Alabama game. You guys go into that Alabama game and obviously had some success in the beginning part of the game, and, and then they kind of sh- shifted into to hyper gear in the second half. When you're walking off that field, and, and a lot of people, a lot of media talked about this, your dad played his last NFL game there. That was your last college game at the Superdome. Were you, were you happy that you had gone on this journey? Just what were your thoughts as you walked off the field for your, the last time as a collegiate player? Yeah, it was a lot um, when that clock hit zero. It was just – I don't even know what emotion you'd call it because it wasn't pure euphoric. It wasn't just great emotions. You know, there was – thinking back at the hard times, thinking back at all the things I've had to overcome to get to this moment, thinking about just this season. And and I looked up, actually, my sister um, – my little sister has a TikTok that um, she posted a video of me looking up and seeing my family and just breaking down crying. You know, and so just so many different emotions were all hitting at the same time that I think it was just – plainly overwhelming you know and and it was i would always remember that day you know for so many different reasons um but yeah it was just i was so blessed in that moment to be in the position i was in no matter what i came from or what i had to do to get there i think i was just so so blessed to be a wildcat to be to have a chance to win a big 12 championship to win one to play in the sugar bowl you know it's just so many good things that you pray for through for so long that kind of came to fruition that way and so uh, I would say that was one of the first times in my career that we actually met some expectations, win or lost that Sugar Bowl. I think that's a great way of putting it. I kind of felt, I got that vibe from a lot of the guys, and you get a, we got a chance to talk to them after the game. And it was mm-hmm. a special group. There's there's no doubt that, that was a special group. And yeah. and for you, um, what what's next for you? I know you just finished up pro day in Manhattan not too long ago, as you are uh-huh. getting set to try and pursue your your dream of playing in the NFL. Um, what is next in the life of Cade Warner? Yeah, so like you said, um, just been training, keeping ready. Uh, well, I got to go to the Chiefs local day last week and then had to actually cut my um, proposal engagement trip a little bit short to fly back home for the Cardinals one tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, just staying in shape, staying fit, trying to find uh, different situations that give me the opportunities to have success at the next level. Um, and just being back home, I'm going to fly home to Arizona tonight, actually, and then my girl will follow me. Um, in a couple of days and we'll stay there, stay active, um, do everything we can to, 
to uh, stay in shape and then basically hit the ground running uh, after the draft. When the football days, whenever they are over, in, whenever they are indeed over, are you more likely to be a coach or to go into TV like your dad? That, I think that is <laughs> that is the real question. Yeah, I I love. I think I I would love coaching. Honestly, I, I mean, if you ask anybody on the K State roster right now, um, they probably roll their eyes because I say that so much. Like I love coaching. I think there's so much that I have to give back to the game. Um, and so what level that's at, I don't know how long, no idea, but I think I'm going to coach for a little bit and yeah, I would love to get a Tony Romo contract for uh, talking football. I would trust me. I would not complain about that whatsoever. Um, uh, but I think rides are football, take a little bit and, and get back into coaching. There we go. That's Cade Warner. Thanks so much for joining me today awesome. on fighting Never fighting. It's been great talking with you, um, on behalf of K state nation. Good luck. Uh, I know everybody's going to be rooting for you and, uh, you'll always be a wildcat. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you.